Can I look up a picture of this tent? Yeah, do it. Okay, hold on. Because I'm imagining, like, literally a, like, little kitty tent, and I know that that's <laughs> not the No, right no. Thing. I mean, like I said, they're all, they're all professionals. They all knew what they were doing. Um, yeah. It's just very odd. All of it's very odd. Also, if you're listening, welcome back to Creep Time, the podcast with Silas Dean and Stu. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Covering the Diatlov Pass incident. Covering the theories. This is part two. Do you have a picture of the tent? Okay, it is like a kitty tent. This thing is so tiny. I think it goes deeper. So the way that they, if you look at the way they um, dig these tents, they dig pretty deep into the snow to kind of lay like a foundation to the tent. I don't know what that's actually for, for stability maybe. Yeah. Um, and again, it was compromised weather at the time. Like there was kind of a storm. I want to look it up now too. Hold on. Okay, that's interesting because when you said um, like the natural force or whatever there was a part of me that was like was there like i thought avalanche or like just wind like knock the wind out of you like almost to the point it collapses your chest cavity like i i Could can't that make sense of that yeah there's no way know. well the theories on this are pretty interesting because the like i said the most universally accepted theory here is the theory of the avalanche it's kind of like occam's razor like what is the what is the simple answer is most likely the the logical and correct answer but the theory of an avalanche seemed to make the most sense to explain at least some of the strange injuries of the blunt force trauma and the compression of the chest um and at least why they would scatter into different directions in the darkness and cut their way out of the tent if they heard an avalanche coming because i i think you can hear an avalanche you can hear the rumblings from afar um the theory being that in the middle of the night a partial avalanche had occurred or was about to occur uh, that would eventually cover some of the tent and they fled immediately to seek refuge in the tree line to avoid the avalanche or avoid another avalanche and get buried completely. So whatever injuries were sustained from the avalanche um, occurred and then additional injuries were accidental as they were running through the dark. And then maybe we could explain the, try the, the attempt to climb the tree was to try to get higher so you could try to call out and see you know, over the trees, if you saw anybody, anyone on your team, anyone in your group who was running. And they actually recreated um, this exact simulation using CGI years later to try to visualize like what the sequence of events would have looked like and what would have happened on that fateful night. Uh, however, however, there is a considerable number of details here that do not add up and would suggest that an avalanche never occurred. So... Upon the discovery of the location of the tent and the surrounding area, there was no evidence that an avalanche had occurred. There was no debris. There were no broken tree limbs. Typically, when an avalanche like rushes down a slope like that, you would find a lot of stuff that is um, brought with it. Uh, there was nothing like that. Nothing to suggest that anything like that had occurred. And like we said, the tent was only kind of partially covered, almost like it was covered... Um, by snow from wind. Additionally, there have been more than a hundred expeditions that have completed this exact route, uh, you know, since this incident. They have never documented any avalanche along this slope, not even once. They also believe that, you know, these being more experienced hikers in this group, they, they never would have set up camp 
in a location where there was the potential risk for an avalanche, which they would have been trained to spot. Uh, they just It just seemed illogical that they would do that in such a, such a dangerous area. But the most compelling thing about the avalanche theory to me is those footprints. I want to yeah. take it back to those footprints. I mean... And any of these things that talk about, like, natural disasters happening with the avalanche, there's one that talks about these, um, like, forceful winds, kind of like what you were saying. To me, none of that, none of that aligns with people who are walking. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the avalanche theory? Do you buy any of that? It explains a lot. I think that's why yeah, it's I was the most commonly say, it accepted. it explains a lot. I mean, um, and for me, it would explain the tree, um, just because you're trying to get like higher ground, right? Higher ground. Yeah. I mean, um, the only thing that kind of blows my mind is that the bodies were other than the woman found pretty much like intact. Like I, I don't know mm-hmm. much about the force of an avalanche, but I do kind of wonder, I guess you do just get like buried immediately and, uh, there's no way I, I I was kind of thinking like could an avalanche, the force of it like rip your limbs? Like I know that's disgusting, but no, it's possible. I mean, yeah. I I'm more perplexed that a lot of them were found above ground. Yeah, like, that doesn't un- make sense either. They, yeah, they weren't buried. Nobody was buried. The tent wasn't buried. They weren't the only people who were buried were the ones who were down that ravine, but they were only under thirteen feet of snow, which is not in line with with an avalanche. An avalanche covers you in a lot of snow yeah and again that was very far that was in the tree line and that was a completely different location from where like no like that was like the tent like that was like way way far from the tent like not yeah them being buried had nothing to do with this potential avalanche so what's shocking to me is like the idea that they were cutting their way out of a tent to escape something that was this, this imminent threat but decided to not only walk but to walk in different directions and not stay as a group it's so well, senseless. What's even stranger is you said that the uh, three bodies, including Igor, were, like, crawling position? Yeah, cr- well, I think, yeah, I think it was that they had become so cold that they, they had lost the ability to walk on the yeah. way back. So they had just dropped and were kind of trying to crawl as, like, a last resort to get back to the tent. Well, and if we do buy the avalanche thing, how sad, because they might have actually survived it. And then they, this was a group that was trying to get back and they, they couldn't. Well, my, my other thing too, is like, if there was an avalanche or they were, they thought they were running from an avalanche, what are you trying to go back to the tent for? What are you trying to get at the tent? You're assuming the tent is buried, aren't you? Well, the tent's buried under an avalanche, right? Yeah, but I guess it's better than staying your, out there yeah. in the snow. It's your only option, I guess. It's your only option. Hmm. It's very dark. Very dark. Oh, God. I I would feel for the, if that is the case with the three, that they actually survived and they were trying to get back. Because I would have rather just had it take me down and die pretty much immediately than struggle through that and die of hypothermia oh my god well i mean there is some evidence that a lot of them were trying to survive because we know from the four that were found who were wearing the clothing of the others who did leave with clothes um they took it off them so 
we do know that, that, that like they at least had the instinct to you know go back even if their friends had died before them take their clothing try to bundle up try to stay as warm as possible um it's just unclear as to whether or not they thought there was a campsite to return to mm-hmm. it looks like three of them did which is confusing yeah but then you had mentioned a theory before um you touched on it which i thought was interesting this theory about the winds so i think they're called catabatic winds but i could be pronouncing that incorrectly um mm-hmm. i was reading about this it's a pretty rare phenomenon but it's an extreme and uh, you know unforeseen windstorm that could be it could take place anytime but specifically in a in a location like this it would be more than likely um that could explain the need to sort of flee the campsite and take shelter down in the tree line. Uh, the reason it was reported um, was because that little torch lamp, like we said, was left at the campsite, indicating that maybe they had to leave while the windstorm was bad and then hoped to come back once the winds had calmed down, but they would need that light as a source to guide them. But this, again, negates the theory to explain the footprints and explain why they were walking. Or how that, how any of their campsite would even hold up through winds like that. Or could it explain the walking? You can't run in a windstorm if it's that intense. That's true. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, actually. I just can't understand how the tent and the, the, the lamp would, like, stay intact. But I also can't understand, like, how winds could be so bad so bad that you have to run out without clothes well maybe they could i do know from my outward bound days that (laughs) there there is a survival mechanism that when it gets really really cold they do recommend sometimes that you take off your clothes um oh you did tell me this i remember you told me this a few podcasts ago yeah dylan parker yes 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 and it's this strange um I kind of forget the science behind it, so... Uh, Is it to, like, acclimate your body to the temperature? Yes, yes, yes. Bit? And it okay. kind of feels... And it almost, like... You almost trick your brain into feeling like you're, like, getting warm by... Like, you're, like, burning, like, warmth almost by um, having to acclimate. It's a strange thing. But I remember them telling us that. And that's why people... Um, some survivors will, like, try to take off their clothes kind of as a last-ditch effort. Um, yeah, that ex- I mean, that's the paradoxical effect of hypothermia. That definitely explains, like, why at some point they would have taken off their clothes out mm-hmm. there if they felt like they were on fire, you know, because they were so cold. Yeah. I just, I don't know, I have a difficult time imagining these winds that were so forceful that they had to send them out of that tent. But to me, that's more plausible Um in that scenario, I just can't see how that then leads to them dying of blood force trauma without any external injuries. There are there are heavy winds, but there I don't know if there are winds that can crush your rib cage. Yeah, well, it's almost like you'd have to get like boom, like knocked over by the wind into something, and mm-hmm. then like have that crush you. But I feel like that would puncture you in a way, whatever that thing was. Um, so maybe the if you were thrown had... down into snow. Yeah, I mean, maybe. It, it could, possibly, if it's, like, that intense. Yeah. I mean, because snow is something that probably wouldn't show much of a mark on you if you had been thrown into it, you know, especially off a ravine or something like yeah. that. I don't know. Um, the, but the other thing that I don't 
quite understand is that if there is a windstorm outside, it's got to be so freaking cold. Why wouldn't you all stay in the tent and like literally stack up on top of each other to get heat? Like that doesn't make much sense to me. It definitely makes way more sense that there's an avalanche coming and like run like it's your last ditch effort to stay alive. Like we're all either going to die in here or we're all going to die on our own trying to survive yeah, or just trying to do trying to do something to get away mm-hmm. like if it, mm-hmm. there's not much you can do for an avalanche to like outrun it i guess you could say but you could certainly try yeah although they did not run so i'm <laughs> back to square one yeah but no I, I think you're definitely right if i'm imagining you know what like winds like this could do certainly yes that could be extremely difficult if not impossible to survive in the tent but i think you would make the rational decision that you're you're not going to fare much better if you go out without clothes and just try to outrun a windstorm. I don't know how that's right. going to work. Yeah, very strange. Well, this, um, I guess on the wind topic, it kind of leads into another theory, which I think is really interesting. And this only came about um, in like the last 10 years or so. Uh, so this was a hypothesis about infrasound. So it was discussed in the book Dead Mountain that was released in 2013, theorizing that a very specific wind could produce infrasound on this particular mountain. So this is an extremely rare phenomenon. This is very, very rare to happen, but it is a naturally producing infrasound that can cause intense panic attacks in humans. Interesting, right? Because up until this point, I think we've talked about like, a natural occurrence because there's no sign of footprints or struggle animals people so something in nature had to have compelled them to do this whether it was an avalanche or a windstorm but we haven't talked about a phenomenon that could actually shift the minds of all nine of these hikers so the theory is that the sound caused them uh to have extreme uh, uh an extreme sense of hysteria and to leave and by the time they go through the darkness they split up different in different directions. They're kind of incoherent, and they get down the tree line. Um, they've regained their composure, and they try to make their way back, or they try to set up camp there. They're all on their own, so they try to figure out, you know, we're far away from the campsite. We're about a mile away. It's freezing outside. What do we do? Some of them try to go back. Some of them try to start a fire or climb up that tree. Um, the massive blunt force trauma injuries could have been the result of falling down the ravine is what this theory suggests however i don't know if that makes a whole ton of sense to me because i I think fall injuries would be pretty pretty clear to a medical examiner Mm -hmm. um this really just explains the sense of hysteria and the illogical decision making oh i'm intrigued by this infrasound so it's just like almost infrasound infra Infra, like in, okay. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, infra, yeah. <laughs> infrared. <laughs> um, wow, okay. Because I was going to say, how have we not gone at all into anything kind of psychological here? Um, well, I think we talked about, like, substances, because I think the first yeah. thing to explain this was, like, okay, well, they went up there and they tripped, or they, they did something that caused them to all think, <laughs> you know, ridiculous thoughts and yeah. cut their way out of a tent. Um, but I never would have pegged, like, a naturally occurring phenomenon in nature to like warp somebody's brain that's shocking i've never even heard of that oh my gosh i wonder it's what the a, sound is supposed to be like it's very specific to um I, well the way it was described is that this is very specific to the actual um <clears throat> like 
geological structure of this mountain and it mm -hmm. would take a certain like speed of wind a certain temperature a certain like rock formation for this to travel through in the right way at the right time and create this sound or create this um this experience that gives them this false sense of hysteria yeah i think it's interesting and i think it's possible because i've read about i think it's called the cuban missile no not the cuban missile it's called um oh god what is it it is this um, phenomenon that happened in Cuba uh, to American agents who were there not too long mm -hmm. ago, like in the last like 10 or 20 years where they were there and they were staying in a, a government uh, facility and all of these American like CIA agents became extremely ill um, and all of them reported hearing this very intense whistle noise before they became extremely ill. Like, they became manic and, like, had to be hospitalized, like, violently sick. Um, and it was theorized. And I think there's there's additional evidence to support it because somebody actually recorded it. So there is a sound that everyone heard. It's theorized that this was a type of military weapon that was being tested at the time that can direct its, its directional sound that can cause hysteria and intense illness in humans when they oh hear it. Gosh. So to me, I was like... That sounds like a manufactured version of this. Yeah. Infrasound. Yeah, I mean that's it explain I mean that that does happen. People suffer from tinnitus where they get that ringing sound in their ear, they go nuts like the only thing like that, that could happen. The only thing that's strange about it is that this still still does not account for the blunt force trauma. Yeah. From the from the unnatural force. There are it's yeah. like you you solve one element of this, it negates the other. Mm -hmm. there's there's really no foolproof explanation for what actually happened which would lead me to this other theory about military testing and this is actually going to talk about the camera roll that was found hmm. <laughs> i'm like how many more are there this is great. i know <laughs> I like, there's got to be like one explanation for this and it was like a natural disaster and like this is so interesting it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the infrasound one is fascinating. I mean, everything we've talked about up until this point, I think, feels very plausible. Not that military experience isn't plausible, but it's certainly something that I think there would be more physical evidence of, unless, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what the Soviet Union covered up? But mm -hmm. this theory suggests that the hikers were bombarded with parachute mines during the uh, military test that occurred in this specific area. So this is interesting, too, because this actually um, comes from reports of other hikers who were on the Ural Mountains, who were pretty far away, but were still, you know, in this area on the night of, as well as the Mansi people, the indigenous people who were also nearby. So uh, it was confirmed that this location on the mountain, right, was a Soviet, uh, was one that the Soviet government had used previously and had tested these parachute mines, many of which detonate actually before they impact the ground that can detonate in the air um <clears throat> so this would have been an explanation that came in from the mansi people and the other hikers who were far away who saw the sky on this night and claimed to see orange lights in the sky unexplained orange lights so it's theorized that these were actually parachute mines that had detonated and if you remember that last photo in the camera roll it's kind of hard to explain because it's out of focus and it it's a black backdrop. It looks like they're pointing the camera up at the night sky, but there is this bright light in the left-hand corner out of focus. 
and we don't know what that is, but it looks like something in the sky that's like hovering above them. So it's believed that it could have been one of these parachute mines that had hovered above them, but then had scared them. And they thought to themselves, we have to cut our way out of the tent. Maybe they're walking as they're arguing, you know, talking about like, we can't just leave everything here, but they realize that they are in immediate danger because there's something detonating above them. The only issue with this theory is that there was no evidence to support that any of that occurred, aside from the reports of these unknown orange lights in the sky. Hmm. But then how do we explain those unknown orange lights in the sky? Well, we don't know that that's what that is in that photograph. I mean, it could have just been the film back then was so strange. Like, it could have been... You should look up a picture of this as well, actually. Okay. Look up, um, I think it's Frame 33. Okay. Frame 33, Diablo Pass. I love doing this while we're... I haven't done this while we're on... Like, I know, I know. You I never get visuals. <laughs> I feel like a hacker. Okay. Hold on. Uh, okay, that's not it. <laughs> it brought it could be. The Devil's Pass. That's not it. Hold on. Not the Devil's Pass. Not the Devil's Pass. Okay. Oh, wow. These photographs are so interesting. Whoa. Do you see the final frame? Yeah, I'm trying to get there. Um... Oh, I see it. I see it. Yeah. Well, initially people thought, well, no, maybe this is just like the lens cap being on. When the camera was found, the camera was untouched, completely unharmed, no damage, and the lens cap was off. Not only was it off. Oh, my God. I forgot about this completely. Not only was the lens cap off, the camera had been set up on a tripod and was ready to shoot. It was like before they left, they set up the camera. Like something was happening. Yes, they set up that camera. Yeah, there was an event going on they tried to capture. And then they cut their way out of a tent. And they left. I know, I know. Is this not the thing you've ever heard these pictures are nuts oh my gosh yeah you can even see the actual um i think the actual photo where they are digging they're digging the pit for their tent for their final tent yeah no i see it i see it oh my gosh this is so crazy that they were able to get this developed wow I know. oh i hate that like we can't show this to your creepers i know um I'm sure they they know this case through and through, I'm I'm sure. sure. (laughs) I will say, I mean, I kind of was going to say, um, you know, I don't buy any sort of UFO or demonic, like, extraterrestrial presence. These photos are weird. I mean, it's, I, I don't know what the heck that thing is. It's difficult to explain. It's, um... I think somebody mentioned something that there could have been the possibility of, like, maybe there was a... I don't know what they were trying to say with this theory. They were like, maybe there was a small fire inside of the tent, and the smoke was billowing, and that's why they had to cut their way out of the tent. I don't know why somebody would take a picture of a fire. 
yeah, that doesn't make much sense. All I could really think of was that the film hadn't developed properly. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty clear in this photo that, like, it's the sky it's... and something is up. Like, you can tell the camera's shooting up. Yeah, right? Like, it's 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 very clearly a photo that is out of focus. Yeah. I just don't know what they would have that could create a light like that up against a black backdrop of the sky. Chilling. It's chilling. I mean, even looking at the other photos of them, of the the whole crew, as they were on, you know, the expedition, the hike, it's just menacing to see some of those final photos. You know, what's crazy here um, is that some of these photographs have the Mansi, am I saying that correctly, indigenous group? Yeah. Um, there's like a tree marking here, and I guess it's like the Mansi group had marked a tree nearby and someone had taken a photograph of it. I don't know if oh, you've seen that, but that is... No, I don't think I have. That is giving me some Blair Witch vibes. Yeah, I just watched um, The Ritual over the weekend. That is is all about that. Have you heard of The Ritual? No, what is that? Let me plug it real quick. I think it's on, <laughs> yeah, it's on Netflix. And um, it's like these four men, and it's loosely based off of the Yuba County Five, which is another case that we should definitely Ooh, cover yes, on yes, here. Yes, yes, um, But it's very, very loosely based on it. And they go uh, on a very, very long hike in the woods um, to, in like Morium of their friend who had, who had passed. And on the way back, they start finding, like, pagan carvings in the forest. And they find, um, like, animals that have been sacrificed in the trees, but, like, freshly sacrificed. And it starts storming, and they have no option but to, like, take refuge inside this this little, like, hut that happens to be in the forest. And it's, the, the first half of it is so chilling, because they're kind of being hunted by something in the woods, like some kind of, like, pagan tribe or something, because the house that they take refuge in is very clearly, like, like a warship space. Yeah. Oh, it's so creepy. Oh, oh my gosh, they, I love yeah. any sort of, like, hunted in the woods type it's of... Very, yeah, it's vibe. very Blair... It gave me some Blair Witch vibes. Um, I also just watched another one on Hulu, I think it was on Hulu, called Alone, about a girl that's abducted on a back road. That is even scarier because that really that really happens. I mean, mm-hmm. being hunted by pagans in the woods, probably not <laughs> happening next summer for me. However, yeah. people get abducted every day on back roads. Yeah. Back back roads are wild. Oh God! When we were wild. driving through Kentucky, we almost went on a back road that it was going to take us on. It was gravel, by the way. This is different from my last story I told about Kentucky. Yeah. I was going to say, wait. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> different for, different from my last story because we were trying to like take a shortcut basically and it took us to this farm brandon swanson-esque gravel back road yeah and my sister and i literally pulled onto it and we looked at each other we were like no no we were like this is a road that you would drive on and there's like a tire strip like someone's gonna pop your tire so you have to pull over and that's when they like that's when they take you that's when they get you my uh boyfriend loves to take back roads like purposefully takes back for the scenic route i'm like this is great in the daylight but let's let's stick to the the highway that's something yeah it's got to be like you got to start those at like 7 a.m like i need a full day of daylight if i'm gonna do that stuff because i can't like back roads at night they're just not it 
Could you imagine if we did back roads in the Rockies in Colorado? Could no, you imagine... absolutely not. Could you absolutely imagine if we not. did those We'd at night? Dead. <laughs> We'd, We'd be dead. We'd be dead. <laughs> we almost died. We might be dead. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, I might be spirit after that. I might be spirit. I, mean, <laughs> I think you saw my spirit leave my body. I did. It was <laughs> one of the moment. greatest moments in my life. <laughs> this, for like a quick recap of the story, we had to drive a 26-foot-long truck through the Rockies of Colorado um, with a very a very steep drop-off um, on the side of us. And at one point as we're going down this road in the Rockies, you, you hit something or like there was some kind of divot in the road that like jolted the entire truck. And I think yep. the the panel <laughs> like popped open the entire panel of the glove box <laughs> fell off into your lap we hit it so hard <laughs> i actually i remember looking at you because i was like oh my god he's gonna think we're going off the edge of the cliff and i because you had been i think like like maybe logging our miles in the truck log i was doing a truck log you were being your your diligent self logging you know mile 17 we're at however x amount <laughs> gallons of gas left. i'm like full davy crockett i'm like on this expedition <laughs> we stopped off as we were travelers oh my god i will never forget looking at your face you actually all of the color had left your face like you had fully committed to the idea that you were ascending into heaven at that point like <laughs> Or hell. No, yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> I didn't have much time to think. I actually don't remember too much about it. I just remember us laughing about it afterwards. But the actual moment, I think my brain had to shut off. It was like preparation for death. I was like, uh, well, we it's over. Speak. We didn't speak <laughs> for a solid. I think I said, "Are you okay?" We didn't speak for a solid couple of minutes, and then we started laughing. And I was like, "Please." tell me we can stop at this McDonald's right now and get a McFlurry. I remember oh, stopping God. and getting McDonald's because we needed to like... I needed a biscuit or something. Yeah, I needed, I needed some... a McFlurry immediately. Oh, God. It was so... <laughs> my heart was beyond. And I just remember our visibility was so compromised, too. Like, it was foggy out, wasn't it? Oh, it was foggy. It was the the rail, the guardrail, if you want to call it that, on the edge of the mountain was... Um, you couldn't see it. You could oh, well, not especially see that, it. A, yeah, well, a truck of our size, like, we're going to flip over that thing. If we want to yeah. go past that thing, we're going to go past that thing. Yeah. I do remember being in that truck with Laura, and I remember driving, and it had started snowing. Like, a full fog, like the mist, like Stephen King's The Mist had taken over, yeah. and it was snowing. And Laura just turned to me, and she was like, don't drive. <laughs> if you don't want to drive, don't drive. And I'm not kidding. I went, like four five miles per hour yeah, in that truck hazards on because I, I was i mean honestly if i if i had my wits about me i probably would have just driven the thing right off into one of those truck ramps what is that i honestly i feel like you need to do a creep time on truck ramps because why are those so scary looking like they're so sinister we hadn't used because it yet. I hadn't it, used it. it. Yeah, I know. Thank you. I was like, strange. We've gotten through a whole episode without saying sinister. Without Truck ramps are, I mean, they're they're eerie because they're the fallback to death. You know what I mean? Like, your option yeah. is to either run the truck down the hill and go off a ledge or yes. kill everybody or go through a truck ramp. <laughs> and just hope to God you... You don't bust through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's... <laughs> that truck... 
Never again. Arguably, though, I would say that that was less stressful than driving that thing in New York. Okay, we have to dedicate an entire bonus episode to that, and it has nothing to do with Creep Time. Nothing to do with Creep Time. Forget the podcast. Forget Diatlov Pass. That's <laughs> premium just... content for you. Yeah, I was like, you're going to have to subscribe eight ninety nine a month if you want yeah, to hear about my New York is... experience driving oh a gosh. semi. God, that was the closest I think I've ever been to, like, just walking away from all of my adult responsibilities and getting a Hilton. Get, getting that a Hilton your, hotel. That that was your Diet Love pass. You almost I'm cut joking. yourself out of that truck <laughs> and just walked. Oh my you god! You didn't even run. You just walked. Oh god! I was really close to just getting out, and I I had the Hilton mapped too. Yeah. I texted my friends. I was like, I think I'm going to be staying in New York tonight. God, that was terrible. Don't drive large trucks in New York City. Don't in fact, them. don't drive in New York City. <laughs> don't. But you I he has a car in New York. He, has, he, uh, he doesn't live in Brooklyn, but his sister lives in Brooklyn, so that's where he parks his car. I'm like, why? Why do you have that? Get rid of it. I, I don't understand. It would be so I live in LA. I want to get rid of my car. Yeah. I don't, I don't want it. I don't need it. Well, you walk everywhere, so you don't need a car. No. I'd like a car, but yeah. You should get um get like a little Vespa. <laughs> That's a, oh shoot, shoot! I'll bleep um, it again. Bleep it again. Um, th- I, that is literally top of my list is to get um I love a using a Vespa. I love um my boyfriend and I love uh reveling. Do y'all have those in LA? What's revel- Wait, what is that? It's like a um like renting a vespa you can rent vespas around dc no way yeah and they're like wait so it's a full it's a full vespa it's not like a scooter like a bird scooter no it's not a bird scooter it's a full vespa and you can just uh rent them around the city and like you can do a day pass where you it's so fun we're like how is that legal oh my god it's so fun um you can't take them on like major highways or anything so you have to be like really careful about where you take them but um they are the most fun. They have them in New York, DC. I don't know where else, but highly recommend. I would love to take one. I always said if um when I took a my trip to Italy, it's just such a massive city that I couldn't like get around Rome, like yeah. in in one day. So Jen and I at the time had rented bikes, but we had the option to rent bikes or Vespas, and I always regretted not renting a Vespa. You needed your Lizzie McGuire movie moment. I know. I was like, what the hell was I thinking? I think we were just nervous that, like, those were would be a little too unmanageable versus yeah. the bike. Because I've never driven one. And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we did rent. We rented bikes and we showed up to the Vatican in bikes. Love it. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> went past um, the steps. Went past the Trevi Fountain. <laughs> we were running over toes left and right. We didn't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> It was amazing. We should take a trip. Let's take a creep time we trip should. somewhere. Let's not go to Russia. Let's not go to the Dead Mountain. Yeah, we won't. Yeah, we won't go to Dead Mountain. Um, I'm trying to think of any of these. On second thought, I'm like, should we go to any of these places where people have mysteriously disappeared? Yes, we is should. That, is, is you know, I'm down. You know, I'm down. I do. Okay, I do have a question. You said that people have done this trail since. Yes, they have. Wow. But a hundred times people, because it's become so um, kind of fantastical in the media. There have been books, yeah. there have been films, and like people have really romanticized 
the mystery of Dyatlov Pass that they have done the exact trip, even to like the deviation to the wrong part of the mountain where they camped. And I wonder with like global warming and stuff, if it's much easier now to do than. Oh, maybe. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Like it's maybe um, impacted a little bit of the climate because up, like I said, up until this point, I mean, a hundred people have, or a hundred groups have done this. Um, and they've never witnessed anything that's been described in any of these theories, you know, yeah. no yeah. avalanche or no sign of a previous avalanche, no infrasound or like yeah. wild winds, like nothing that could explain why this group cut their way out of a tent and walked. And we'll never really know because all of the evidence that we could know has been released. At this point, it will just be speculation forever. Yeah. Although I, I do think most people believe the avalanche theory. I was going to say, what what is your gut theory that you side with? Oh, man. Um, the avalanche theory, to me, makes the most sense in terms of explaining the blunt force trauma injuries. <laughs> I just hear you hacking in the background. <laughs> oh, my God. I wasn't hacking. I hear, like, I feel oh, like, was, like frantic typing. Be- oh. Okay. It sounded like Note feverish, self, like mouse clicking. <laughs> Note to self, I need to show up to this podcast in a straight jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I made a lot of noise. You do make a lot of noise. <laughs> I make so much noise. It's ASMR. I love it, though. It, it, no, it adds extra elements, though. Like, right now, when I said that, I thought you were feverishly hitting a mouse to try to find, like, what are the patterns? <laughs> no, it's just my, it's just my beads. Your clickety clackities, honey. My clickety clackities. No, I. You're like I love how much these other elements you bring to the podcast. It's just like annoying, like just nuisances. <laughs> no, you help give you help give relief to a lot of like the denser portions where I'm going on about like the stories and the exposition. But then all of a sudden, there's like a light that falls, or there's yeah. an owl that flies through your window. Yeah, I do bring spirit. I will say that. You certainly bring spirit. I'll, yeah. I will agree to that. I mean, do you side with the avalanche theory on this? Because it sounds like you're a little on the fence and you're a little perplexed by that camera, that camera footage. Yeah, I do. Okay, oddly enough, after looking at the camera footage, I the, the indigenous group, that is bizarro to me like as you were describing it i was like oh, okay like these people probably like aren't really around there like maybe mm-hmm. they inha- have inhabited the place like the fact that there's these photographs that show the markings and then um as i was looking at these photographs one of the captions said um you can tell that uh like i guess whoever if it's igor whoever was taking photographs t- takes a picture of the group as they're walking after finding the first couple of indigenous markings mm-hmm. and their faces are like visibly um, shook. Like they're kind of like, Oh yeah. I want to see this picture. Yeah. I think I know which picture you're talking about. I just yeah, want to wanna... kind of like, they don't look happy anymore. Like in the first couple of photos, they look kind of excited. They're on the expedition. They're smiling together. And then all of a yeah. sudden they find the um, Mansi, uh, the Mansi markings markings. And like, you can see, like, the group kind of looks um, somber. A little freaked. Yeah, they look yeah. somber. That's, yeah, I'm looking at these now. It's a little. It's strange, though, because you would think that if there was something that was concerning them, they would have been able to peg that to any of the journal entries. I'm not sure if it was one person who was journaling or two, but I want to say there were two people who were journaling, and they really, really looked to those to see, like, 
Were they signaling? Was there any indication, like, even privately, or if they knew that somebody was going to look to this, that, like, something was wrong? Like, they felt like they were being watched, or something was wrong with the group, or... I don't, I don't know. Yeah. They've never found anything like that, but the Mansi people were cleared after they interrogated them, and like I said, there was nothing that was ever suggesting that there was a sign of a struggle or additional footprints. Um, I guess the only thing that we would chalk that up to is, like, supernatural at yeah. that point. I mean, if we're teetering into the, the territory of aliens, which, I mean, to be honest, compelling. Compelling. <laughs> Very compelling. But aliens can explain anything. I mean, like, yeah. anything could happen to anybody, and I was like, girl, it's aliens. Like, <laughs> of course we don't know how they died. It's aliens. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But that's what we're left with. We are left with the haunting and chilling mystery of Diablo Pass. I do think that we've done a pretty sound job of explaining a lot of what went down and and some of the potential theories. But I also think that this is one of those cases where it's going to be, it's going to be the case that the longer it sits, the more it stirs up. Yeah. This one is not put to bed. Um, And I don't think it will be. I think people will start to embellish and, you know, (laughs) flourish and feather out some of these theories, especially around the aliens. Um, Yeah. And I, I don't even think that would be a part of the conversation if it wasn't for that strange final frame. And that camera being set up to shoot something. So weird. (sighs) And also doesn't explain if it's freezing outside. Why are you going to the lengths to get the camera set up? Yeah, I don't... None of it really makes sense to me. It's just troubling that we're never really gonna know. Yeah. We just have to sit with the speculation, but... I'm happy you came along for the ride. Me too. I'm so shocked you hadn't heard of that case. Do you know how wild As we've been talking about it, I sort of am remembering maybe a little bit. Oh, okay. Now it's like bleeding back in. Yeah. Maybe. Just a little bit, though. I really didn't know. Like, I I don't think I actually knew much about this. Um, Probably not to this detail, but maybe the the top line of, like, the hikers that were found. Yes, for sure. Yeah, this sent me on a really, really wild trip of um, uh, crazy stories that have happened, like, out at campsites, um, people who have gone to national parks, campers who never came back. I mean, the disappearances, specifically even in the U.S., like, at national parks, is out of, it's out of control. It's insane. Yeah, this actually kind of seems like one of the first, um, like, cornerstone classic kind of, like, missing hiking hiker stories missing climber stories absolutely and i I know there are stories especially with like national parks like yosemite and whatnot that go back to like the 30s and the 40s of hikers going missing but this is by far the most internationally famous of of a group of hikers going um dying under mysterious circumstances Mm. and with that i think we can finally conclude the mystery of Diatlov Pass. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, the people who suggested this, this was a poll. That's how I chose this on TikTok. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we, we did a poll. Um, there were hundreds and hundreds of people who voted, Stu. <laughs> and it was between <laughs> this and Elisa Lamb. And they opted for Diatlov Pass. So for everybody who voted, thank you so much for that. I'm very happy we got to cover it um, and go into some detail. And we will catch you guys on another Creep Time. Bye.